Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Sabbath Services. This is number three in the washing of the water by the word. Now, let's come to Ephesians 5, and let's see something very important. Let's see what all of this is to do, and how that the washing of the water by the word and we saw how the water is a type of the Holy Spirit. The Word is the Word of God. And how that by the washing of the water of the Word, we're going to see is one of the most important things in our changing and growing and overcoming and developing the mind of Christ and the character of God. So let's go to Ephesians 5 now. And let's read verse 1, because here is the whole of what God wants us to do, right here. What is the most pleasing to God is we love him and serve him and keep his commandments. What is the whole purpose of it, you see? What is the whole purpose of conversion? Right here, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Now that's quite a goal, see. That also ties with Matthew 5.48, which is be perfect as your Father who is in heaven is perfect, see. So you look at this sinful body, and as long as we're in the flesh and we have the law of sin and death in us, it's a sinful body. And we're going to do things that aren't right, We'll have little bloopers, big bloopers, and some catastrophic bloopers, but we can recover from them. All right, now here, verse 2. Walk in love, even as Christ also loved us. And so then we go back and we think about what Christ did to give up being God to become a human being so that he could save his creation. That's quite a thing. And that's what the Passover is all about. And we're coming closer to the Passover, like was mentioned earlier. We're two months from the Passover. Okay? And gave himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling savor. Now, then it warns, don't do certain things. Don't live like the world. Don't get involved in sexual prosecution promiscuity, etc. Okay. Now come down here to verse 24. Oh, verse 23. Oh, we have to go to verse 22. Sometimes these sentences of Paul are so long, especially the first chapter. The first chapter in Greek is almost one sentence. Now, he would flunk English classes, but it was perfect Greek. <laughs> okay. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. And that, that would solve an awful lot of problems. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Okay? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. For even as the church is subject to Christ, in the same way also let wives be subject to their own husbands, in everything. Now, this is how we are all to be subject to Christ. 
the same thing. So everybody's under authority. God's not picking on women. Everybody's under authority. Verse 25. Yeah, we read that. Subject to him and everything. Husbands, love your own wives in the same way that Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So there is the reciprocity, you see. Both are incomplete, and both need to come together, and both need to do what God wants them to do, likewise as we respond back to Christ. So that he might sanctify it. Now, sanctify it means to make it holy. Having cleansed it, that shows a process. With the washing of the water by the word. And as we've been seeing, that's how then we get our minds converted and changed and actually spiritually reconstructed with the word of God, the truth of God, the spirit of God. And how then today we're going to see one of the things we need to do as, as I have mentioned, but we'll see it a little bit more today, you need to have God erase the sins from your mind. You need to pray and ask God, God, with the washing of the water of the word, cleanse my mind. Help me to get rid of these thoughts. Help me to overcome through the washing of the water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. That's what God wants. It's not a matter of overbearing. It's not a matter of authority in that particular sense. But it's a matter of all of this based on the love of God. And this then is how we come back to verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it might be holy and without blame. Now, that all involves prayer, repentance, changing, changing our thinking, letting the word of God being put in our mind. Now, let's see what else God does. This this becomes very interesting as we put it together here. Okay, let's come to Jeremiah 11. Jeremiah 11. Jeremiah 11, and let's pick it up here in verse 20. This shows how God operates all the time. Verse 20. But O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, and with mercy, and with judgment, and with love, with understanding, who tries the heart and the mind, I hear Jeremiah because he was suffering so many things, and he was really going through it. You talk about one man against the world, that was Jeremiah. Let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I've committed my cause. So that's something, isn't it? Yes. Now let's see the same thing in Psalm 7. See the same thing there. And so all of this is an ongoing process. As we change, as we grow, as we repent, as we overcome, have our minds cleansed, 
Now there, God has made the mind so it can forget. But as I mentioned, we need to be like the Apostle Paul. He remembered the lesson, but didn't relive the past. Now, Psalm 7, let's pick it up here in verse 1. O Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all who pursue and, and deliver me. Quite a thing. Oh, David had a lot of different problems here. These, these here was when he was being chased. Lest he tear my soul like a lion, ripping it into pieces, and there is no one to deliver. O Lord my God, if I had done this, whatever it was, if there is iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to the one who was at peace with me, or if I have plundered my enemy without cause, then let the enemy pursue my soul and take it. So here he was, he was bargaining with God. I don't know whether I would be willing to bargain with God quite that way. You know, David was a man after God's heart, so he could do that. You know, we all have enough to overcome. Yea, let him trample down my life upon the earth and lay my honor in the dust, Selah. Arise, O Lord, in your anger and lift up yourself against the rage of my enemies. That's also something to remember. Let God fight your battles for you. Just let them be. Now, there are certain things we need to do, but don't get in the middle of a battle. Turn them into God's hands. He'll take care of it. Because how many times you try and fight a situation, and someone has done something, and you get all involved in it, and there's really nothing you can do about it, right? Okay. Put them in God's hands. And awake for me at the judgment which you have commanded. All right, come down here to verse 8. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to your righteousness, according to my integrity within me. O let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous, for the righteous God tries the hearts and the reins of both those who are seeking God and those who are not. Now let's see how the Apostle Peter tells us how we are to cleanse. All of this is a cleansing. Cleansing of the heart, cleansing of the mind, changing the way that we think, changing our whole approach and everything that we do. Okay, 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 16. Let's go back to verse 14. Here again, it tells us what our relationship is with God is and what we need to be doing. As obedient children, do not conform yourselves to your former lusts, as you did in ignorance. But according as he who has called you is holy, you yourselves also be holy in all your conduct. Now, the only way that can be is by change of mind, by the washing of the water of the word. 
For it is written, Be you holy because I am holy. Now then, here is a series of tremendous promises that go with this. And if you call upon the Father who judges righteously to every man's work without respect to persons, pass the time of your life's journey in the fear of God, knowing that you are not redeemed by corruptible things, by silver or gold, from your feudal way of living inherited by tradition from your forefathers, but by the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So you see, we have, with the word of God, God's spirit, we have the all the tools necessary to be perfected with the spirit of God. Verse 20, who truly was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for your sakes, even for you who through him do believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope might be in God. That's where we're continually looking. Not to ourselves, not to our abilities, not to what we can do, though we have to put forth a maximum effort as we're led by the Holy Spirit of God. Having purified your lives by obedience to the truth, unto unfeigned brotherly love through the Spirit, love one another fervently with a pure heart. So there, there's the whole formula right here expressed in a little different way by the Apostle Paul. So it's the cleansing of the heart, the sanctifying of us by the washing of the water by the Word. All right? Let's look at some of the things of cleansing and purifying and how that is. First of all, let's see from second, not second, but uh, Matthew 23. Let's see from there what God said to the Pharisees and the scribes. So it's not a matter of what you do on the outside. It's not a matter of what the impression is that people can look at you and see. That's fine. But what God is interested in is what's in here. What is in your heart? What is in your mind? How are you thinking? Matthew 23, verse 25. Here's what Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees. You read all of Matthew 23. That's a pretty heavy chapter. That's a pretty heavy chapter. And it would, it would be like going today to an assembly of rabbis or Catholic priests and pointing out all their sins in a very powerful way. He was not tactful. Verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! And you know, in doing, in doing the research for, Lord, what should I do and why churches are falling apart, the number one thing was hypocrisy. The number one thing. Not a matter of little fault, not a matter of something that was slightly misguided, but hypocrisy. They would say one thing and do another. Same way in politics. I came home, I came home the other day for lunch, and Dolores said, Did you hear about this Republican that just resigned? 
for adultery with a woman? He would just elect it? And I said, no. Well, he was a hypocrite. He was married, pretended he wasn't, went online, worked out things to go with this woman. And I guess John Boehner took him into the office and said, resign. Hmm. See, you can't be hypocritical in your behavior. Okay? Now notice, here's what the hypocrites do. For you cleanse the outside of the cup and and the dish. But within, you are full of extortion and excess. Sound like a lot of people we know? Someone sent me an, an article, why is Bernie Madoff in prison? And then showed that what he did was nothing compared to what the Social Security dilemma is. Verse 26, blind Pharisees. Remember what he said when he healed a man who was born blind? And the the Pharisees came and said when they understood he was speaking to them, they said, are we blind? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would be without sin. But you say that we see, but you don't. Yes, indeed. Blind Pharisees. First cleanse the inside. That's what the washing of the water of the word is. To cleanse inside. Cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish so that the outside may also become clean. Now notice he tells them again here, verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whited sepulchers which indeed appear beautiful on the outside, but within are full of the bones of the dead and of all uncleanness. Likewise, you also outwardly appear to men to be righteous, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And so that's the way that human nature is. We need to be changed from in, from within. What happens when you have a whole society that completely rejects the, the normal standards that God expects from the Ten Commandments. Well, we have the example of the flood. Everyone's imagination was evil only from his youth up. And think what we're doing to some of the youth today. I mean, we're putting them on these, on these computer games at what, age five? Some of them get so good that, you know, Even their fathers can't compete against them. (laughs) But most of those computer games are what? Very demonic. What does it do to the mind? What does it do to the mind when you watch evil, when you think evil, when you practice evil? Well, your mind has to be cleansed. And that's why we have the washing of the water of the word. Okay. Let's see how we get cleansed. All right? Let's go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26. Now, as I mentioned, the book of Proverbs is really a good study for getting things reoriented in your mind because it talks about right and wrong, good and evil. And... 
how you then can, in your thinking, be able to make judgments concerning things so that you're not getting yourself in trouble and you're not living the way or contrary to the word of God. Okay? Proverbs 26, and let's pick it up here in verse 24. Now you see, here's part of the thing of the inward mind must be changed. Verse 24. He who hates and disguises it with his lips stores up deceit within himself. You build deceit. Because why? When you do that with hatred, okay, and and we'll talk about different things we need to overcome. When people do that with hatred, you justify yourself that you are right and you're building up deceit within. When he makes his voice gracious, do not believe him. He's talking of a con man right here. For seven hateful things are in his heart. He whose hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be revealed before the congregation. In other words, it will come out. Now, let's come over here to Proverbs 28 and verse 13. Now, this is why there's repentance, there's confession, and there is the cleansing of the mind. Okay? Let's go back here to verse 12. Proverbs 28 and verse 12. When the righteous triumph, there is great glory. But when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. He who covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Okay, let's continue on. Now, let's ask the question, how do you establish your thoughts? How Do you bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, as we're told we are to do? How do we let the washing of the water of the word change us within and overcome these things? Since we're here in Proverbs, let's come to Proverbs 16. Now, what we need to do when we're reading this, we need to think about the Holy Spirit, the use of the Holy Spirit, how we do this, how our minds work, what we need to do, and think about the things that still are problems in your life. And, of course, we're always going to have problems as long as we're in the flesh, so none of us are without problems. Okay, Proverbs 16. Think about that and then... Pray about it, okay? Now, we're going to talk about some of the things that get people down and things that get stuck in their craw and things that they have a hard time letting go. So here's the basic approach we need to take, okay? Preparations of the heart, verse 1, in man, and the answer of the tongue are from God. So he's given us the ability to do that. Now here is the problem 
with a carnal, deceitful mind. This is why we need the spirit of truth to lead us, why we need the word of truth to guide us, and why we need the the cleansing by the washing of the water of the word. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Everyone thinks he's right. Now, we have the smoker's paradise down below here where we meet. And every once in a while, I see people going in. I see young, healthy people going in, coming out. And if you would have walked up to them and said, don't you know that this is going to kill me? Oh, well, I, you know, I've been smoking three years and I don't have cancer. <laughs> and then you watch the old people go in. And it's quite amazing. You can tell that they have been smoking for years. But they got to go in. they got to get their fix with the cigarettes, you see. And the difference between the youth going in and the older people going in who've been smoking for years is dramatic. The youth, they look vibrant and young, no wrinkles, no gray hair. I didn't get my white hair from smoking, so please. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That just came upon me gradually for 50 years. (laughs) Okay. But, Even if they're slumped over, coughing, and you can tell that they're short of breath, you know, and I I don't know if you've ever seen someone die from emphysema. It's a terrible, terrible thing. But one day, they were young, like the young ones going into the store, smoker's paradise, but now look at them. See, it's a terrible situation. Now, I remember going to visit someone in the hospital who had lung cancer, and they had to put a tracheotomy here, and they just couldn't quit smoking. Just could not quit smoking. And so they would take the cigarette, stick it in the tracheotomy, and light it, and smoke. You see? That's the end of the smoker's paradise. That's their paradise. And I know that uh, I remember one time someone described to me what a smoker's lung looks like, lungs look like. And you see, the lungs are very delicate, very delicate. Now they can repair, they can heal if you catch it in time. But there, there are like little, oh, I don't know how to describe it. But they clean the air, they take in oxygen, release carbon dioxide, and all of this is necessary for your health. So if you don't smoke, you're, you're going to be fine. You won't get any of the diseases from, that they get from smoking. But now, now you have something even worse, marijuana. And that THC not only goes into the lungs, it goes into the mind, and it messes up the mind sometimes permanently because it affects the synapse between the nerves where the electricity of your brain is supposed to uh, cross from cell to cell. 
and they burn them out. Sometimes permanently. Now, other times, they can recover from it. See, But every way of a man is clean in his own eyes. You think you're right. You can use many examples. What about the kamikaze pilots? They were right in doing what they were doing. What about those who commit murder? They always have an excuse as to why they did it. I remember watching the case case of, uh, of one man. He killed his wife and three children, planned the whole thing, disappeared. They couldn't find him. He changed his name. He was supposed to be a churchgoer and all of this sort of thing. And he killed them so they could go to heaven immediately. So he knew he was right. So he had absolutely no remorse. He moved from the East Coast to Colorado, and they finally caught him. What's this one that they have? um, Most Wanted. The Most Wanted, yeah. And what they did, they're able from his picture to make make reconstruct his whole face and head, what he would look like at his age. And they put that out on the most wanted, and they got a lot of calls, and one of them was right on. And here the man went out there, reestablished his life, going to church, married again. Every way of a man is clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Now, here's the key, verse 3. This is the key. Having trouble overcoming, having trouble getting rid of evil thoughts, or bitterness, or guilt, or worry, or resentment. Verse 3. Commit your works unto the Lord, and your thoughts shall be established. Now, there it is. That is the key to the washing of the water by the word. See? Commit your works unto the Lord, and your thoughts shall be established. So what you do is you take this verse. When you're praying, you get on your knees and say, Oh God, I need your help. Please help me to establish my thoughts. Commit your works to him, your thoughts to him, you see. There it is right there. Now, let's see how this works as described in the New Testament. Let's come to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 2 Corinthians 10. Now, we have our part to do. God has his part to do. We have the effort that we have to put forth. God gives us of his spirit and his word. And this is why you have heard it said how many times? prayer, and study, right? Yes, indeed, that's how it works, see? Now, let's pick it up here in verse 3, 2 Corinthians 10. See, now, as long as we're in the flesh, we have things to overcome, and this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And we have thoughts that need to be washed, changed, overcome, and replaced, And when we do that, then our works will be established, committed to God, and then our thoughts will also be established. Verse 3, 
For although we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, it's simple this way. You cannot overcome human nature with human nature. You may be able to make some adjustments where you don't do quite as bad as you used to do, but you never can overcome human nature with human nature. It takes the Spirit of God. For the weapons of our warfare, because our warfare is what? Against Satan the devil and against human nature, correct? Are not carnal. That is, they're not physical. But mighty through God, see, the strength comes from God to the overthrowing of strongholds. And some of the things in the mind are strongholds that really have to be overcome. I can't imagine what it would be like for, say, someone who was a Catholic priest and gave the Mass for how many years? He'd have a lot to overcome. But even that can be overcome. Look at what the Apostle Paul had to overcome. Okay, Mighty through God to the overthrowing of strongholds and the strongest hold that is on us, is our carnal mind. Casting down imaginations, because it's all in the mind, is it not? And how many battles and difficulties do we go through in our minds that are what? Imaginations. Shadow boxing, mental boxing, thinking through different things, reliving them, laying awake at night, daydreaming, whatever. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And that's what happens. Sin is there to, to exalt itself against God. And bringing into captivity, showing we must have the control. And this doesn't come easy. This comes through the washing of the water of the word. And bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ, showing a lifelong process, okay, and having a readiness to avenge all disobedience whenever your obedience has been fulfilled. See, so there's, there's the formula for the washing of the water of the word. Now, Let's look at some other scriptures that we need to look at to see then how we can do it in a practical way. Okay? Let's come back to the book of Proverbs. Come back here where we were, Proverbs 16. Okay, Proverbs 16 and verse 17. Here's how we do it. Now, while we're turning there, let me tell you one that Job said that he had, that he did. When he was accused, well, Job, you know, you're not being, you're not telling us the truth. You're probably out there, you know, uh, committing adultery or something like that. Looking at the beautiful women, something like that. And he said, no, I don't do that. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes. In other words, he made a covenant with himself to turn away from viewing evil. Okay? Now that's what we have to do. Now what if it surprises you 
on the television. Well, if you have a remote, hit the button. Okay? Now, verse 17. The way of the upright is to turn away from evil. Turn away from it. Where do you turn away from it first? In the mind. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. That's a great proverb there. All right, let's come to Proverbs 21 and verse 2. Okay, now here's here's how God works with us. 21 and verse 2, again, showing the way that man's heart is. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the hearts. Verse 3, to do righteousness and justice is more pleasing to God than sacrifice. So there it is. Okay. Now let's come to Proverbs, the fourth chapter. See, because conversion, retaining the Holy Spirit, growing in grace and knowledge, are all the substance and the the things of overcoming. And today we've got a lot of lot of distractions going on. So we need to be able to know how to fight against that. Let's go ahead and take a little break, and then we'll come back to Proverbs 4 when we get back. Now let's continue on with Proverbs, the fourth chapter, Proverbs 4. And let's pick it up here, beginning in verse 20. Now this is a central key combined with the other scriptures there in Proverbs 16. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts shall be established. Okay. Combine that with 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Combine that with the washing of the water by the word, and combine that with having the commandments and laws written in our hearts and in our minds. And it actually changes our brains Physically, they know that thinking builds the brain, and your brain still is growing. It, if you don't have things like Alzheimer's, it's still growing and in use by actively using your brain until very, very old age. They have this. They have this one ad. It shows this uh, librarian. Remember the ad of the librarian? And it, she, she's in England, and she's a very fastidious gal, and she rides her bicycle uh, going to work. And when she's going down the street, with, it shows her going down the street with some books and a basket on her bicycle. And when she's making uh, a left-hand turn, she puts her hand out like that, and it shows that she was very fastidious, really took care of herself. But as she got older and older, she improved even more, see? And she was able to do things even like hang gliding, you know, and tennis and things like this, Mm -hmm. okay? But the whole thrust of it is, is that if you keep your mind active and you keep doing, then, and you live right, your body and your mind are going to respond, Mm -hmm. see? Okay, so here we have it right here. Proverbs 4 and verse 20. My son, attend to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. 
Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. There you can put Hebrews 10.16, writing in our hearts and in our minds. Okay. Now here's what it is. This works together with the Holy Spirit of God, which is called what? The Spirit of life. The Spirit of truth. Okay. For they are life to those who find them and health to all your flesh. See, because when you are upset, angry, worrying, bitter, resentful, and all of those things, it affects your health. And they now know that they can actually measure how your brain puts out toxic hormones with evil thoughts. Quite a thing. Okay, so, you know, the book of Proverbs has been right all along. Okay. Verse 23. Above all, guard the door of your mind. Could also be heart, but mind with diligence. See, that is the, the whole central thing with conversion, with behavior, with changing, with growing, with overcoming, through the washing of the water by the word. For out of it are the issues of life. Now for us, that's sure true with eternal life, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and devious lips put far from you. Let your eyes look right on and let your eyelids look straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and all your ways shall be established. So now we have, with Proverbs 16, commit all your works to the Lord and your thoughts shall be established. Here we have it here. Watch where you're going, guard the door of your mind, and all your ways will be established. And how are we to go? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And none come to the Father except through me. All right. Now then, let's also see some other things. What we need to do, because this involves prayer. 